You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead and pull up a chair. Hey guys, welcome to the After Laugh. I'm here with Tommy Wakefield. Hey. Who just got back from his first professional weekend as a comic. Round of applause, everyone. Come on. <laughs> yeah, you. yeah, yeah. It's Thank huge. You. It's huge, man. I remember the first time I got paid for comedy. It was a prom show at Gotham <laughs> Comedy in New York. It was like 2 a.m. They had these prom shows. It's not a thing anymore, really. And I got paid like 75 bucks for a show. And I literally was like skipping home. It, it, it's an amazing moment, Tommy. This is a huge seminal moment in your life. You'll never forget this. It's like I've been paid a couple times before. I've done but shows. But what do you mean you got paid? What does that mean you got paid? Like $20? Like $100. Bucks? Oh, you got $50. Bucks. $50. I did a couple. I, the Laugh Factory paid me. When? Uh, well, I did Long Beach. They paid oh, me you did like Long $100. Beach. That's right. Okay. But I have never gone on the road road for a whole weekend yes done a whole weekend and up. 20 minutes and gotten like a, the full pay for it full pay yeah i've never even i've never even gotten close to that and yeah you get that check at the end i had to sign the little you. paperwork and then <laughs> they all liked me and all this i was being so nice to everybody i was trying to like tip yeah. the bartender and compliment the staff yes, and because tempe improv right uh it was house of comedy house of comedy yeah okay yeah. which i hear is great i've never been there it was <laughs> it was so great. It was so great. But um, yeah, dude, you have no idea tipping the bartender, making nice with the management, because you'll be, you know, in your career, you're going to be back there for the next 10, oh yeah, twenty, thirty. If you're pathetic, maybe thirty years. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that's that's awesome. So like, walk me through it. So you, you drove there. You yeah, we there. drove there. That's cool. So you had a little, you were Craig Conant. Craig Conant, the legend. Shout out. <laughs> we uh. Drove there with his uh, him and his girlfriend. I was in the back. Okay. Uh, where a feature belongs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, was it the type of thing, did you chip in for gas or was it just like, no, that wasn't part of your deal? It was like... I didn't chip in for anything. Yeah. I did uh, have to bring all my camera equipment and I filmed all the shows. So I was like... Okay. I was fulfilling a oh, extra duty. Yeah. Because I will say this. I, fl- I drove to Arizona with Kate Quigley, which was my feature one time. Mm-hmm. And... I asked her to chip in for gas because I was driving as my car. Um, and she, uh, hold on, I just got to, I got to find text. Uh, she basically, um, she got mad at me years later mm. for asking to chip in for gas. Yeah. She's like, you know, you shouldn't do that to your features. I can't believe you did that to me. I'm like, Katie, I'm the only headliner. You told me that never try to fuck you. So what are you mad at me that I asked you to chip in 20 bucks for gas? <laughs> but I guess that was a sticking point for her. She I still, guess wa- she still a, won't talk to me. It's hilarious. So funny, that's so funny. Since it is only 20 bucks. <laughs> that is hilarious. Yeah, I didn't have like an SUV. I had a Prius at the time, I think. That makes it worse. <laughs> Anyway, so but whatever. That's but I also Where get you, it. You're like you as driving. A, some people think that the headliner should just like really, really take care of the feature, and some people think that the feature is basically Tito to the headliner's Michael Jackson, and you just got to carry the bags. You got a wingman. You got to be a little bitch. In my case, it was um, kind of both, right? Yeah, I carried the bags. I set up the merch. 
I was helpful in everywhere that I could. Yes. But in exchange, uh, he pretty much paid for everything. Yeah. The whole time. So, so you got he paid for dinners and stuff like that. Dinners. But you get dinner at the club probably. I got too. dinner at the club, free drinks. Um so most of it was but even like when we were getting breakfast and stuff, he would pick up the tab, which was Yeah, that's the way it should be. It was I cool. Think. Yeah. I think if you ever go to lunch or dinner with your headliner, they gotta pay. That's and maybe I I don't think I ever hung out with Katie. Anyway, so <laughs> But is it? But you don't know because we because the, there are no rules. There's no protocol. No rules. People kind of make it up. I would have been stoked either way. Yeah, you know, I've had club owners because my tour with Jamie Kennedy, club club owners were mad at me that I wasn't like carrying his suitcase and doing all this stuff for him. I was like, that wasn't our relationship. Mm. But it's always a very difficult thing when the headliner feature relationship when you maintain it. You gotta just set the boundaries, set the set the set the rules of the of the road, because otherwise, people's egos get involved, and you feel like a bitch, or the totally. headliner feels like you're taking advantage of them, and it's it comes up, you know, eventually. Yeah. So, um, what uh, like for me, for example, uh, touring with Jay Moore, he's a very private guy. Like he sort of has like social anxiety. So the green room, I'd invite someone into the green room. Yeah. And he, he's building this friggin' anxiety, like, what is this chick doing in the green room? Mm. Until it ends with him, like, knocking over a table and going out of the room. <laughs> oh, God. So, um, so yeah. Anyway, let's, let's go. So, you, you drove there, uh, not the day before, the day of. Yeah. Just a few hours before the show. Now, you get there, check out the room. You do a mic check. How nervous were you? What were you, what were you doing to prep? Uh, didn't even do a mic check. I was super fucking nervous. I was like, because because also you haven't been doing live comedy since for November. A long, since November, and even in November, I probably did like eight, ten, yes, open mic like shows. Yes, and before then it was just like six months. I did a couple of Zoom shows, but it's like I fucking hate those. Now, did you have the twenty minutes sort of mapped out in your head, or you're like, I'm going to like see how the crowd is? I'll be I real. Go. I was super nervous. I, I, you know what, the worst part about Thursday, and I'm, uh, I will say, I did pretty good on all the shows. Sure. Some of them, like, I felt- Was it a two-person show, three-person show? Uh, host feature, Okay, liner. so the host bit a bullet a little bit and yeah. opened up the room. He did 15 up top, and I, literally every time I went up there and told my first joke, I got a laugh. Yeah. Like, the crowds were awesome. Yeah. Crowds were awesome. What was your first show? Because I think that particularly as a feature, it doesn't really apply to the headliners much because I think that at least in the back of the day when there were crowds that were full and I was headlining a show, I would go up and just muck about for the first five minutes. Mm. Hey, you know, people do crowd work, make some talk about oh my day or whatever the fuck it was. Almost like intentionally dig a hole because... As a feature you would do this? No, as a headliner. Oh, sure. Because I have an hour. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I'm going to get them. But let me just fucking like, yeah. oh, God, I'm tired. Whatever the fuck it is. Like, look around like, okay, you know, what's going on? So they kind of have this weird tension of like, is this guy funny? So then when I kind of come in with the hard-hitting jokes, they're like, okay, cool. But I feel like as a feature, they're not going to give you as much leeway. So no. you've got to come out with an opening joke that works. Yeah. They're not going to trust you. So what was your opening joke? I mean, it was very, very silly. My opening joke pretty much was... Um First of all, I would go, you know, Phoenix, how we doing? Or whatever the fuck. <laughs> Get a little... <laughs> Give it up for the ladies. Freebie freebie applause. Yeah. You know, Love let, Phoenix. Let's go. Yeah. Give Woo! it up for the beautiful women in Phoenix. And then I would say, oh, what a fucking year, huh? Yeah. And then I say, just lost all my money in the stock market. 
I just said I had just lost my whole life savings in the stock market because it was in very current. Yeah. And then everyone would go like, oh. And sometimes I would even get a giggle. Yeah. And then I would say, only $100, thank God. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then there I would go. go then you set yourself as a guy who is broke and sympathetic. I'm a, I'm a broke guy. And then I, and then I did... Um, Being on the lam. I'm from LA. Comedy is actually illegal where I'm from right now. Uh, it's the first time I ever had to do a comedy set with a getaway driver. That always got a laugh. Yeah. I did the Uber tag. What was the Uber tag? I forgot. It was something like, I'm broke or I'm broke, so it's just the Uber driver, the getaway driver. Yeah, you yeah. said something to me about that. Okay. Yeah, I was like, all right. Big tag with Uber pool. Oh, <laughs> do they even have Uber pool anymore? Oh, they don't, obviously. Right. Because of COVID. Um, and then I had a couple... I had I did my little jokes about, uh, like, last year for Christmas, I asked for socks. This year, I asked... I was, or, uh, the way I did it was, like, Christmas was different this year. Like, last year, I was like, Mom... I think I need some new socks. This year, I was like, Mom, I need a gun! I need a gun! <laughs> yeah. People laugh at that. Because Arizona is kind of a Republican crowd. It's very, it's purple. It was it surprisingly, is. the opener would do this joke about, he would be like, we had an election this year, and the crowd would be silent. Yeah. So, it's purple, but I feel like the people who are out maskless at a comedy club is kind of a red crowd or or just moderate moderate there is sure. a large contingency of people who are not necessarily republican but they're also sick of some of the liberal shit you sure know what I mean? and uh, like sometimes i would go y'all just got illegal weed right and a couple people would be like woo you know so it was like uh and then I, my legal weed jokes were killing what were the legal weed jokes because because those were jokes I wrote when I first got to California and it was just legal. <laughs> and I stopped doing them because they were fucking boring. Yeah, exactly. And then I went there and they literally just got it a month ago. And I was like, oh, these have That's like awesome. fucking gunpowder in them now. Yeah. So. What are the legal weed they're, jokes? They're so silly. I, basically, I'm like, I'm like, y'all just got legal weed, right? And, like, Woo. and sometimes I would do some riffs if the response was different. Or if it was just like one or two people. I was like, you yeah, know, she's high right now. Dumb fucking. <laughs> or I would make fun of the way they said woo. Yeah. One time this lady said, it was very suspiciously wooed. And I pointed her out. And yeah. then I did a later joke that she responded to about silent discos. And I was like, weed lady, I knew it. And that was, you know. That was good, man. That was fun. Uh, the legal weed jokes basically along the lines of, um, man, I'm a big advocate for legal weed, but it's a little bit less edgy and cool now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we used to be criminals. Now we're medical patients. Also, I wrote this joke a while ago. I've seen a bunch of comics do a similar, do a similar joke, thing. Yeah. I Mine has different tags. <laughs> I saw Jordan Rock do a joke like this when I was from the balcony. I was like, ah, I've had a lot of... And then even a bunch of people have similar types of What, the idea of what? That it's... Now that it's legal, it's, it's different, cool. and they make their observations. Mine, I have my own tags, but yeah. you know, it's not like the most original fucking thought on the planet. One of my first jokes about smoking weed was, yeah, it was in LA. This is when it was medical, medical marijuana. Mm-hmm. I go, yeah, it's like, I smoke weed sometimes every day, all the time. I go, I go no, and I need it. Uh, I, I Medical marijuana, I need it because I have a couple broken, I have a couple broken dreams. And that would always get a laugh. You know what I mean? But I didn't do too many jokes about, and now you can't even say that because medical marijuana isn't really you a thing. You know what's funny though? I did the medi- I didn't even think about that. I just went right into my, it's medical marijuana. That's my whole premise, but it's legal. But I just kept with the medical angle. Yeah. Because yeah. that's the justification, I guess. Of course. 
So I, it is literally, my joke goes, um, we used to be criminals, now we're medical patients, Yeah. right? I used to see a dude smoking weed, and I'd be like, okay, dude. Now I see a dude, and I'm like, are you okay, dude? Yeah, yeah. And okay. I was like, you used to be, fuck the government, now it's fuck glaucoma. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and then I draw the comparison between legal and illegal weed, and I was like, I was a huge advocate for legalizing uh, illegal weed, right? I used to smoke it all the time. I was like, this shit should be legal. I'll tell you what. I tried this new legal weed. This shit should be illegal. Yeah, yeah. Because it's so strong. It's true. And uh, and then I talk about how the process of breaking apart like shitty legal weed and like has stems in it. You got to pay 80 bucks and it lasts you the whole month and you're just mostly smoking like paper. And then I talk about the edibles and how they're so fucking strong. That they put a whole country's worth of weed in one brownie, and then they say, just take a small bite. Yeah. As if my forte, now that I'm fucked up, is responsibility. <laughs> and then, I don't know, I did a whole bunch more tags about how I'm hungry, and I already got the thing. I've heard other people do stuff like that, but it's... Yeah. And they're for it. They're all, they're all about it. They were it. loving it. They were loving it. And then, and then I was like... It's a young crowd, right? I'm assuming, I'm assuming his <laughs> fan base is pretty young. Very mixed. Yeah. You would think so. So was it just like... Always young University people, but there was always people in their 40s and 50s. Because yeah. I have my closer is, and, and this is a closer I developed because all the shows I were doing were like independently produced shows by people my age. And so it would kill because I would go, any millennials in here? And everyone would go, woo. But at these shows, it was like only maybe a fourth of the crowd, a third of the crowd would go, woo. Yeah, yeah. So then I would have to make fun of millennials and then uh go the other way but yeah that's cool um did you feel that uh any of your jokes didn't anything that you did was like oh shit this is not working here that may work in la or a joke that worked there that didn't work in la um i did i, I gotta say my whole set pretty it much all kind worked. of it all, nothing just was a led zeppelin i have a couple jokes that i knew were la jokes that i intentionally did not tell like I have my anti-billionaire joke uh-huh. where I'm like all billionaires are criminals and that one very dependent on the crowd. I've done a mm. couple shows that are like clearly Bernie Sanders people and they're like fucking loving it. They love it. Yeah. And I, I saw their reaction to some of the openers like Republican stuff. And I was like, Oh, there's probably this half of this crowd is Republican, maybe three fourths. Yeah. Or not, not even Republican, but moderate. I let's think say. unless you're in Portland, Oregon, or Seattle, yeah. or LA, or San Francisco, <clears throat> even San Francisco, I bet you there's a lot of closet Republicans because there's so much tech money. Mm. But anywhere on the road is going to be closer to 50 50 than you expect. I mean, any, I don't mean just Reno, I mean anywhere, Chicago. I don't think it was three fours. Maybe more like 50 50, or maybe more just like people were moderate. Yeah, but they're definitely not. Um, you forget. <laughs> you yeah. forget because because my billionaire joke is like one that is close to my heart, and I have like comic friends come up to me and say it's my favorite joke. But it's I don't also know the joke. what's the joke? It's dumb. It's, <laughs> I love his favorite joke. It, it's silly, but it's, it's one of my. Uh, when I say uh, is their favorite joke of mine, but it's probably one of the jokes I tell that bombs more than any other, depending on the room. Yeah, yeah. So if it's like a good room full of like if you're anti-billionaire pro bernie sanders you'll probably like it but if you're anywhere 
between Joe Biden and uh, <laughs> fucking Jeb Bush, you'll probably think, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> These are innovators. I like Elon Musk, you know? Yeah, they, they trickle down to me sometimes. Yeah. I get them to change phone out of their pockets. <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, that's goofy. And did, how, how about the closer? Did you have a closer that you go, okay, this is my big closer? Yeah, I did my, my uh, millennials are the two girls, one cup generation. <laughs> pretty much worked every time i i used to do extra tags at the end that got a little jesusy and that didn't really hit yeah so, th- so i took out the end yeah because i was getting laughs and then a couple times i tried the bonus tags and then i would get off stage and it was kind of weak so for the last three shows i just did the last part that was getting a consistent laugh and then i got off yeah yeah i was fine with if you have if you have a good opening and they have a good ending. It's like a movie. If you know how it ends, you know how it begins, you can write the fucking movie. So if you know how to open and how to end your set, you can fill it out. I will say, I was super rusty, so I had my notes up there. What's well, cool. People expect people are okay with that right now. Open. And um, the first show, I looked at them a couple times because yeah. I just didn't. By Sunday, I was like, I didn't look at it once and I was, I was the best set I had by Yeah, far. Of, course, of course. I was like, oh shit, like people. And you uh, recorded it too. <laughs> the fucking camera turned off on Sunday. Of course. <laughs> of course, I recorded all the other ones. But I'm assuming that that <laughs> now you establish your, your worth to Craig as a as a feature. He's going to sure. bring you around more, right? And does and he have another guy, a, a normal feature guy that he works with? He, he goes with a couple of different people. Yeah, he actually was taking, uh, you know, Audrey Stewart. Uh huh. That's my that's my girl. She was in Phoenix. Oh wow! So I got to say hey to her. Ah. It was a blast. And uh, Which, what was she doing in a room there? Yeah, she was doing Don't Tell. I've never heard of it. Yeah. But there's a <laughs> Wait, lot. Apparently you haven't Phoenix, heard of Don't Tell? I don't think so. It's like a big comedy I think, show. I think somebody asked me to do a show there. Yeah, I bet. But it didn't even have a stage. It was like flat. Yeah. And it, I was like, ah, They man, do it, it in looks random too, venues. Yeah. Oh, but they, yeah. But they get like huge audiences. I know. And I, I, I responded, I think, in a way that the guy thought was snarky. So <laughs> he never yeah. reached out to me well, again. I don't, but I'm like, mm, I don't do. I was just kind of like, what? He was, oh, I'm sorry, man. I, uh, so late. I guess back from work. It was 4 a.m. I go, where do you work? The morgue? And I never heard <laughs> from him again. Anyway, um, that's cool, Their man. Their whole shtick is they do um, like in a gym. Or yeah. At a, everybody's in a kayak, you know? Is that just in Phoenix? Mm-mm. That's oh, in it's LA, all over. Chicago, New York, oh, yeah. I never Phoenix. Those. Yeah. Each place has a different, uh, you know, booker or whatever. And that's based on the quarantine i'm assuming or was it before quarantine no it's before quarantine okay they had yeah. this whole thing no i have heard of it. i just haven't done it um i haven't done it either <laughs> that's cool uh so what's next do you have another gig lined up or do you know nope back to isolation <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah so that's not let's, i got let's, a taste of you got a taste the of freedom good life. the good life and after shows what was the deal because it's always interesting when you're a comic after shows, what do you do with your energy? Because you were probably, that first night you were like, do you well, just... first night we went and hung out with Audrey. Okay, yeah. And then the, all the other nights we pretty much just went back to the hotel room. Were you like crawling out of your skin? Did you want to go places? Did you, did you were like, hey, Craig, come on guys, let's go nah. to Denny's? No, I was nothing. Gonna, I was tired. You were tired? I was like relieved. Because uh, I was having a huge amount of anxiety before, yeah. especially the first couple shows. Actually, all of them, because I it was just, uh, you know, out of practice. I think almost anyone 
would be in that, and particularly, I imagine in your situation, this is your first road gig with a, a comic you want to feature for a lot. Yep. And like 20 minutes is not something that I did all that often. Yeah. In the before times, mm-hmm. you know, I would <laughs> the do, before times. I would do a lot of sevens, <laughs> a lot of tens. Yeah. An occasional 15, but in LA, you just don't get more than that very often. No. So anytime I did 20, it was definitely me driving to San Diego or. Yeah. somewhere and uh and you know what the funny part was i literally wrote out all the jokes i wanted to tell on my notes and i never saw the light i just did all my jokes and then i checked my recording and it, it was, was exactly 20 it was always 20 it was like, 20 <laughs> right on the fucking dot every time the second that i was like oh fuck i'm i'm all out of jokes i'm gonna do my closer i would do my closer i would grab my phone fist bump the dude look at it like 20 minutes and 30 seconds that's crazy or 1930 yeah yeah getting the weird thing is getting back into going on the road and doing shows your sense of time is way off because i've done six eight years ago i was doing an hour and a half mm. stand-up sets. that's crazy and i could probably look back and like oh it's terrible but sometimes like, old tapes i'm like damn why did I, why did i stop doing that joke but um i'd have these long bits and act outs but when I headlined Vegas in January, it's only 40 minutes. And I would be 20 minutes in like, I'm done with all of the material I know. <laughs> like in my head, mm. I would just feel like I did everything. Like what's next? And then other things would, would come up. But it was weird. I was like, I can't believe that was only 20 minutes. It felt like fucking forever. <laughs> and then the more you do it, then it feels like 20 minutes feels like five minutes, you know? God, it was so funny. It was so it was so fun. First and there was of all. There, there was no bad moments, no hecklers, no no no. You didn't freeze. We, I guess you'd freeze after your notepad. Um, it, w- f- it went surprisingly smoothly. Yeah, I had so many horror movie scenarios playing out in my head. <laughs> like what? Like the entire ride there, because my plan always was to like write out my set and do a lot of like hard writing like a hardcore writing sesh yeah beforehand yeah of course and and i'm just an adhd motherfucker it just did not happen yeah it at all and then i was typing i got i had like two hours before the show i was like you gotta fucking focus man you were gonna blow this they're gonna in my head i was like i'm going to bomb so hard they're going to demote me to host after the first set. Wow, which does happen, by the way. That is the thing that happens in comedy clubs. I was like, that's going to happen to me. I'm going I'm going <laughs> to potentially ruin the show and I will never be invited back. I was like, just filled with dread. And I was like arguing with my lady on the car ride. Oh, God. Like she was like... Was uh, that about the COVID stuff? We'll it was get about the to COVID that. stuff. Yeah. Uh, but that was adding like... That was like half taking yeah. up Now you're bombing. Space. You're going to get dumped. I'm going to get dumped. I'm going to bomb. Well, here's the thing. First of all, I'm going to get dumped yes. and i'm going to get dumped uh for this experience which is almost certainly going to be full of disappointment and dread yes. and bombing yes. and shame yes and then i'm going to come back from this shame and i'm going to have no girlfriend <laughs> i'm going to have no life and i'm going to get back COVID. to the production dungeon i'm gonna <laughs> all my fucking friends are gonna kick me in the nuts or something i don't know and uh but anyways i sat down and i was like Okay, every every fucking joke I've I forgot. I was like, what jokes did I ever used to tell? So I had to go through my Instagram feed and look at every joke I've posted. You and posted jokes just, on Instagram? I post almost all my jokes on Instagram. Okay, yeah. 
over the course of quarantine as videos or as like written jokes as videos okay yeah and uh, they're just like one minute clips yeah it's not like a set or anything but yeah. i i scrolled all the way back from like two years ago and so every single joke that i had thought was good enough that i would post on instagram and that's basically my whole set aside from i had like three or four new materials that i had tried in november that mm -hmm. were covid specific yeah. i had the openers that were like week specific yeah and um i wrote them all down in order that made sense and i could remember yeah and uh, I was on my laptop and I was like, I feel way better. I get to the club. I realize I had not synced up my laptop to the Wi-Fi. And so it didn't transfer onto my phone notes, which is what I normally do. <laughs> yeah. Normally it just bing. And, and now they're like, oh yeah, you're on in 10 minutes. And I was like, I don't have my notes. I have no notes. I have that's no. That's pretty scary. This is the first night? This is the first night. Yeah, that's scary. And I was like. I was like briefly panicking. I was like, okay. And I have to set up the cameras and have everything rolling and filming. So I didn't film my own set. I was yeah. like, I was like, okay, I'll just fuck that. I'll, I'll just get it ready for Craig. And then um, I'm going through my notes and I'm going through my fucking Instagram feed again. And I was like, I kind of remembered what I wrote down because I'm yeah, just yeah. brewing in it for 20 minutes. And I got up there and one of the first things I said is that I was rusty. Yeah. I was like, no, I'll just get him on my side. Never say that, by the way. By the way, why not? I don't think that's bad. It's probably fine. Yeah. What, uh, what, by, why by the, not though? What You think people are going to be like, oh, man, I can't believe I spent $40. He's rusty. No, it's, it's, you're right. It's fine to say that. Yeah. I think it gives you, and then if you go, he's rusty, then it kind of lowers the bar and then you yeah. jump the bar. It's not bad. I, and then I did my little, uh, I'm rusty because LA's, comedy's illegal. Yeah. And they were like, oh, yeah, ha, ha, ha. perfect. But by Sunday, I was not saying that. I was going yeah. up there and doing my thing, you yeah. know, shaking my ass, <laughs> doing finger guns at motherfuckers. You doing finger guns? Yeah. Whoa, that's next level shit, dude. You know, I was, you just, by night six, you're grabbing the mic stand different. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're doing Bill Burr, you're putting your ass and elbow on top of it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> the first, the first night I remember I was like, I was going to put my notepad and my Sorry, I'm like hiccuping. I just drank that whole. Um, I just ate like. <laughs> you drank four an entire of, Monster Energy drink in like five seconds. I was putting my phone and you know what the other thing is everything was just so rusty on night one and the set still went fine. They really kind of like just played along. Yeah. And uh, like, I didn't remember to put my phone on not auto lock. Yeah. So every time I would look down at my notes, they weren't there, and I had to open my phone, which <laughs> makes it ten times fucking worse. Because by like the seventh, second couple nights, you got your notes down, so you just walk over to grab a drink of water. They're there. It's just yeah. a glance. It's smooth. But no one, I was like, oh, oh I type in my passcode. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. And uh, it's cushiony. I was like, oh, you know, it takes a long time. Then you go up to the mic. You got to unwrap the cord. It's not smooth. And they're yeah, yeah. Hey, get on with the show. <laughs> That's your. But but what people. See, I think that people go to live shows for that. Yeah, like they love. I'm, you know, I think we talked about this. I'm, I, I opened in Vegas, and by the way, my Vegas week was not my best week in terms of reaction. Sure, because I was, I felt like I was, I was almost from a different time period where I was going way too hard. I was, tr I was really trying to provoke everyone. I was really kind of being a little bit too aggressive, too dirty. I was pissing people off out of the gate. But I was the idea I was trying to get was that like you're at a live show because you want 
to be offended. You want to be affected. You want shit to like bother you or yeah. jar you or shock you. You go on roller coasters so that your fear of death is ignited. Like you're here. Otherwise, you just be home, listen to fucking NPR, pet your gender neutral cat, sipping your <laughs> yeah. You know, so so like, I, I I believe that when people watch a show. And you're undoing the mic and you're bubbling, you look at your notes. There's something kind of cool about that because there's that weird apprehension of like, is this guy going to fucking shit the bed? And how fun would that be? And then when you <laughs> release that with a good joke, it's great. Yeah. I'm rusty. Here's the mic cord, uh, my notes, and da da da. Oh, and then you tell a good joke, like, oh, okay. Right. But I mean, once I got into the jokes, it was, um, do you know one joke that it was an old one? I don't even remember telling it that much, but it was kind of clever. I, uh, it was like, I got a girlfriend and then people would always go like, woo. And then I would instantly, I would always do the riff. I was like, you guys were like, never in a million years would I have thought that young man would have had it. You just do some old timey like Southern voice. <laughs> the, the I do declare. <laughs> I do so many voices. I'm so fucking silly on stage. That's great, man. You got to be silly. And I will say, I feel like me, the opener, or no, no, the host, my energy and Craig's energy were like, very good. symbiotic yeah because the the host was from north carolina oh wow and he had like more like one-liner more edgy kind of middle of the road club comedy stuff yeah. but it was kind of like like redneck ish humor sure and then i go up there and i'm very silly but i'm also like stories from north carolina from like a very silly boy perspective and then Craig goes up there, and the the room is in silly mode, and he just takes it from there. Yeah, and he's like silly too. Yeah, so it was, it was all working anyway. The joke, but it was basically like me and my lady, we like to listen to music in the bedroom, but we got different tastes in music, so we just both wear headphones. Uh huh. And then uh, people like that. It was like it's like a silent disco. And then I say. She likes to listen to smooth R&B. I like to listen to motivational podcasts, okay? <laughs> Keep me in the zone. My favorite podcast right now is Make Her Come or She Will Leave You. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, u- that's unique. That's like very much your style, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's not like a hackable joke, really. Well, uh, the way that I tried thinking about comedy way back years ago is I realized that all the interest... Well, what am I trying to say? Unless you want to delve into super alt comedy, yeah, you have to be relatable to people. Yeah. And in order to be relatable, you have to talk about things that everyone experiences that are general topics. Sure. And if you're talking about general topics, you are inevitably going to be treading on things that every comic talks about. And it's going to be like similar jokes to other yeah. people. And that's okay as long as whenever you tackle the same premise as other comedians, you take it in a direction that is you yes. and your personality. Absolutely. And you put so much of your own shit on it yeah. that it's yours. Exactly. I feel like the jokes that are hacky or easy to hack are jokes that the premise hasn't really been expanded upon too much. Yeah. Because if you take a premise and you really go all the way to the end of the conclusion in your brain, it's going to be unhackable. I mean, it's like Sebastian Maniscalco when his jokes, when he has a really good premise and he does that act out. Like, yeah. You got company. Like a lot of people do jokes about, oh, you know, you know, someone comes to your door now, you fucking, yeah. but he acts out so far that you can't really hack it. He, he goes into his own world and that is, I mean, that was my favorite. I talk about Rory Scovel a lot. 
but I used to watch him and try and figure out like how he got to where he was. Yeah. And I don't even mean like career wise. I just mean in a joke. Yeah. Like this part that I'm laughing at, how the fuck do we get here? Because I've nobody else would do a joke quite like this probably. Sure. And he would start with the premise and then like add a character to the scene in the premise. Yeah. And then say something as that character and then say something as another character to that character. Yeah. And by that point, I'm like, oh, this is his joke. This is, yeah, exactly. Thoroughly. 100%. And, and I, I mean, I talk about no one could steal that, but I tried to steal that technique. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with stealing like a technique. I mean, one of the techniques I definitely, I don't know if I steal it or not. I, I like the Tosh technique of saying something, going to something that's kind of offensive. Yeah. When they get like, go, oh, no, no, no. I, what I what I mean is, and then it kind of goes into something even more offensive. I mean, a simple a simple idea of it is <laughs> yeah. he goes he goes. I've started this uh, charity because I have a lot of money. I've started this charity. It's called uh, Febreze the Homeless. And people, guys, it's not what you think. What I do is I go around town and I Febreze homeless people. Oh wait, that is what you think. Okay, yeah. So whatever. But that. But when people Febreze homeless people react, and he goes, guys, it's not what you think, and then he makes it. So I love stuff like that when people get like one of the things I and I, I I'm like addicted to this and I should probably stop because it really puts me on bad footing but when I do the whole thing I'm getting you guys should be offended you guys are here you don't want to trigger the show you guys want this stuff blah, blah. and they, they, they're like yeah 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 I'm like come on right bitches right guys and they're like oh wait it's a bitches this for are we cool I want to make sure there's certain people who hate the word bitches you know who hates the word bitches? Whatever. As you know who hates the word bitches? Cunts. They can't stand it. Uh-huh. And then people kind of go, and then people go, oh, and, and and I take it from there. I was like, I'm just, okay, I'm just, that was a litmus joke. I want to see where we're all at here. Like, you know, are we good? You know. So I think that uh, I like that personally, but definitely people are going to, re- there are going to be some people who will literally tap out at that moment. Yeah, yeah. But I also like to, I, I'm calling them the hypocrisy because I, I set up like, I can do this type of show or this type of show. What do you want? Because I can do a show, if, you, if your guy's okay with being triggered, if you're not going to be offended, you're going to be big people, <laughs> then here we go. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, they're like screaming. And then when I do that, like all of a sudden you, you see them get jarred by the line. And, and, and by the way, it's couched inside a solid joke with good structure. Totally. You know? And I think a lot of, I think the host is more like that style of comedy. Yeah. Because we were talking about it and... Uh, I was kind of making fun of myself and how I am on stage. And I was like, I'm rusty. He was saying that he likes New York style of comedy. And that kind of led New to New York the, style of comedy. That kind of pizza? led to the... Uh, what does that mean? Oh, that you just... Stand there and tell jokes that are like well-written. And then versus me. <laughs> you know what he said? He said some shit that it was not supposed to be offensive. And I was like but it rolling was a with little it. Bit of a- it. It wasn't at all. I think he was yeah. totally right. He He was saying... Some people have the gift of being funny and like some people are like doing the work and writing jokes. And then he basically said that I have the gift of being funny. Uh-huh. Which was like um <laughs> yeah. a, a very nice way of saying that like my jokes are bad. <laughs> but <laughs> I didn't take it that way. Yeah, yeah. Are yeah, you yeah. answering the phone? No, I'm not answering the phone. I'm, okay, I'm, okay, I'm texting. Okay. I'm sorry. Um But it is I mean, that it is, is that is true. A, Oh, by the way, I had this situation with uh a comic who used to feature for me a lot where um, some people are like, oh, he's doing like your vegan jokes. Grant, there's a lot of vegan jokes out there. Sure. I think my my vegan, my general vegan bit is original though. No one's doing it. And, yeah. Um, 
I, I do think that people that the joke that I did this is like at this point it's like a three or three or four year old joke where I'd say vegan food is like the transgender food I think that joke either it's been hacked or it's too much out there but I try to take it in a different direction and go places sure. with it um, but someone told me this comic was doing it and I said hey man you're probably not and this is just people probably stirring the pot but I heard you doing some jokes like this and you know I just want to make sure like we're not stepping on toes I wasn't really accusing him yeah he goes no dude I don't do vegan jokes it's like everyone does vegan jokes it's like hacky so it was like his way of fucking <laughs> hitting me he goes yeah same way I don't do Trump jokes everyone does those I was like that's so okay. funny yeah 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 well you know <laughs> that's how I felt about the legal weed jokes but I was having fun with it oh dude don't worry about that man it doesn't matter as long as you as long as you have a joke the only thing that I would ever give advice to people that are new on the scene and I think we're coming from different directions because I came I, I came up at the Times Square Laugh Factory, which is Taurus and Urban and yeah. you better fucking deliver. Yeah. And sometimes you, you're picking up some low-hanging fruit to make that happen. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you're not doing the most complicated shit. You're just like, rah! Um, but the thing that I learned is like if you do a joke, that, here's an example. A news report came out about R. Kelly peeing on girls, right? Yes. That happened a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Around the same time, P. Diddy said he's removing the P. He's going by Diddy because he felt like the P was getting between him and his fans. And I said, oh, it makes sense if R. Kelly thought the P was getting between him and his fans. <laughs> and it was the day after that. I mean, that's funny. The day after it happened, right? Yeah. Killed. Oh, great. I got this joke. Within three or four days, it was on like Talk Soup. Someone did almost the same joke on Talk Soup. Sure. And I was like, whatever, it's my joke. I wrote it. Maybe they sold for me. And I kept doing it. And then people come to me accusing me of stealing the joke. Ugh. So the only thing I would say, if you ever do a joke and someone's doing that joke or it's on TV or whatever, just lose it. It's never worth it. Well, that's kind of what I have been trying to do. Yeah. But, uh, but I brought it back. I was like, this is me. And I wrote this how it is. And I've seen other people do similar stuff since. This is similar. It's not the Can same. Can I say something? Yeah. My closer, my two girls, one cup joke. This dude... I wrote that in... What is that joke? We've talked about it before. I forgot what that joke is. It's, it's basically... Uh, the millennial generations of two girls, one cup millen generation. I, millennials get a hard rap in the media, but I like us. I think we're the least judgmental generation. We let everybody live, do whatever they want to do, be who they want to be. But I think yeah. that has something to do with the fact that we are also the two girls, one cup generation. Yeah. And then everyone goes like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. Some point in middle school, some point in high school, we saw that shit and the nation was not the same. Yeah. Okay. We went home to our parents that day and they were like, gay people shouldn't get married. And we were like, there's bigger shit going on out there, okay? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, I remember <laughs> We that, have yeah. bigger fish to fry. Yeah, yeah. And everybody uh, laughs at that. And then they're like, but Jesus, Jesus said, Jesus didn't watch two girls, one cup, okay? Oh that would have been a different chapter in the Bible right there. Yeah. And then I was kind of getting off on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's so funny because the two girls, one cup thing, as huge as that was, I feel like in five years, no one's even going to know what that, going to remember that. Yeah. Uh, or if you say that in five years, people- Old enough to be in comedy clubs remember it. In five years, you think? In five years? Who knows? Yeah, it's weird, right? But the very year I was doing that joke for like months, uh, yeah. this dude who is- I don't want to name drop him, but he did it on Comedy Central. Two girls, one cup. He did your joke? He didn't do my joke. He did a similar premise. Was it about two girls, one cup? It was about two girls, one cup. And he it was about how two girls, one cup affected our generation. Now, had he seen you before? No, okay. definitely not. Okay. 
uh, he but the funny thing is is like he kind of looks like me and we have similar vibes <laughs> and i'm sure maybe we had similar upbringings or something yeah, like yeah. i'm not even shocked that we both arrived at uh, that kind of conclusion and the jokes were different yeah they here's the thing they were different enough to where like someone who likes jokes and comedy could look at it and say oh these are different jokes yeah 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 but they were similar enough in the delivery of the initial premise that I had a lot of people send the joke to me and be like, this is just yeah. like your joke. Yeah. And I was like, and I watched it and I was like this. And the other thing was, I didn't even like where he went with the joke. I felt like he blew the premise. I was yeah. like, Oh, th this is a bummer. This is like the first thing I thought of when I thought of the joke. And then I took it here because then it was getting laughs. But, but anyways, I, he came out on like, the comedy central instagram yeah and i was like oh my god so i posted it the same day yeah i was like just in case just so there's no question i'm gonna post this too because i've had this recorded for like months yeah and now that it's out there on his end i just want to post it on the same day so we can check the timestamps. yeah um yeah and then I, and then i was like i'm gonna stop doing it now that i've posted it i think that's good i think that's i, I think it's but always a good idea it was a great joke and I was like bringing back all my old jokes for this 20 because I was like, you need I'm just material. so rusty. I'm like, this is a certified going to get a laugh at the end. Yeah. It's also funny. There are jokes that you do that you kind of feel like you phase out of and you don't want to do them anymore. And then you bring them back and they murder and you're like, God damn it. I man. know. I can't believe that shit. Like uh, we've talked about this. There's jokes. There's a joke that I hate doing. But if I ever do it in a crowd where there's more than two black people, yeah, it will murder. <laughs> With one black person, it's too weird. But if there's like four or five black people, it'll always fucking kill. I talk about my black girlfriend. And then if there's, I was like, hey, you know, you've been with a white guy, the whole fucking stupid. I know you know the joke where I go like, hey, girl, you know, this say hey, once you go white. And I do a little break it. Your vagina is say, And then they ho-ho. And I go, I go white guy, once you go pale, high five. Your vagina, you never have to post bail. And they high five. I, I go, you fucking racist piece of shit. Look at this fucking Nazi. <laughs> yeah. It always works. I mean, I'm talking about it'll work in Hollywood. <laughs> it'll work in Reno. It'll yeah. work in New York. Anywhere I do that joke and I fucking hate it. I so mean, I it's never fun. do Setting it. Setting the trap for the guy. Setting the trap. Picking the person who you're going to oh, fuck. <laughs> that's the best. Particularly if there's like a giant black dude right behind them. Like, why would you high five me with that guy right behind you, <laughs> yeah. dummy? Um, if you can implicate, and the funny thing is, if, if you can implicate the audience in the joke, yeah, where they're they're responsible for what you said, then somehow you know what I mean. <laughs> you know, I got this is a new-ish joke that I I did a couple times in November, but then I brought it back just because like the host was talking about people losing their job, and I was like trying to be current, and I got like a mini applause break on Sunday because oh, nice. I did it like, which is like never happened in like a cool show, but um. It was like, it wasn't like a long applause break, but I was like, oh shit, mm. I kind of did it. I did the thing. Yeah. And um, for a new joke at applause break, that's fucking huge. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it's, it's the type of joke I could never post online because it's about my experience working at the Laugh Factory. <laughs> it's, it's about, um, I talk about when they sent us an email. I, basically, the joke goes like, um, over the course of, I thought I was about to lose my job my boss sent me an email that said, Hey, we're going to fire two people on Friday. Send us an email back saying why it shouldn't be you. <laughs> oh my God. And then I was like, and then, I, and then I basically say like, Oh fuck. 
it definitely should be me. I was like, do you ever know it definitely should be you? And then I was like, and then I texted my, I, I said, Caitlin, <laughs> well, I, was, I mean, it's all, it's all jokes, but I was like, I was like, yeah, I texted my coworker like, oh fuck, it's definitely going to be us. And then I kind of like saying like, I do this or that, but, um, <laughs> I don't know how much detail I should go in, but I, well, but I said, I said, I, I make a joke about how, um, if you're doing like work in editing or electronics or something for someone who's really old, they don't know anything about it. Yeah. So like whatever you tell them about the thing is the truth. Yeah. And then I basically, the end of it, cause I'm saying like how many fucking uh, videos could you edit in a day? And like, let's say you could do a hundred and be like, oh, uh, one. And then we, I, I do the eye contact with all my coworkers and we're like, one. And um, then I say, the, the, end, the way that I ended it was basically, uh, we know, we live in America. There's no unions in this country anymore. So there's no way that me and my coworkers can argue for more money, right? Yeah. But we can get together and lie for less work. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> and that is the American dream right there. And that was a plus right Yeah, right that's there. what people like. That's nice. That's nice, <laughs> They're man. like, because it was kind of like uh, me and my coworkers sticking it to the man in this, yeah, yeah, in this exactly. joke. And the man who, in this premise, is also like trying to fire us. Yeah. So, and it kind of went around, along with the theme of the rest of my Yeah, I think act. that's a great joke. And again, it's, it's unhackable because completely unique to your experience and your story. Yeah. And it kind of starts with a specific thing, goes into a general idea a general concept about what you can do. Mm -hmm. That's a good joke. Keep doing that. That's the other thing I started to do with stand-up is it's like, I don't do any one-liners. And yeah. if I do do a one-liner, I take it like five steps further. Yeah. Any joke I do has to be like a minute long of just complicating it and making it my own because anytime that I wrote something that is so simple, even the joke of like, I lost my life savings in the stock market, thank God it was only $100. I wrote that, but I was like, that, someone's definitely done that. Yeah. Someone's definitely done something like that. Even that one, I tried to take extra steps. Like, I was like, I got to stop getting my stock advice for memes. Uh, who would have thought Dogecoin wouldn't stay high up on the charts or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's then, good. I think that, again, I think that's very Tashian in the sense that, like, you just keep tagging. Keep tagging. I mean, keep tagging it until it's yours. What he would do is he would, he, he would famously just get a punchline that the tag would really be the punchline yeah the second tag he'd lose half the audience the third tag he was the other half and by the fifth tag there's four people laughing and he goes now that he would say that he goes now that only four people are laughing i finished the joke <laughs> like that funny. was his whole thing and he would he would do like these really esoteric not like dennis miller type of references but really kind of specific esoteric references that only a few people would get You've already enjoyed the whole fucking joke, so yeah. you don't hate him for doing that. I just feel like um, ever since the internet, ever since Twitter, the second anything happens, a million people already yeah, have the that first joke, that first joke that everyone thinks of yes. is there. It's yeah. already out there. It can't be the end if you're a stand-up. Yeah. The thing that's unique about stand-up is that it's rhetorical. You have more time to explore the idea there's a way that you could explore the idea. Like sometimes I'll think of a funny thought and I'll be like, that's a tweet. Yeah. Right. It's not even a stand up bit unless it's something that requires and is uh, like inviting you to talk about it more deeply. Yeah. I find that, do you find that weed helps you at all? 
write jokes. Yeah, right. Because sometimes I'll write something on weed, and then I'll go, oh, this will be a great joke. And I swear, when I go on stage, it just never works. But I feel it. Like, recently, I I was stoned, and I thought this idea. I was like, don't you hate it when we're watching, like, the Super Bowl, or just some distraction and a commercial comes on. It shows like a couple. They get together, and then they're like, and then they're married, and they have then they have a baby, and the kid grows up, and then kids have to college, and now they're like a home alone, and then they're like in rocking chairs. Like holy, sh- I just, I just watched the fucking life. Like now I have to <laughs> fill in the blanks. Like I know what the the next scene is. They're fucking dead. Yeah. So now now while there's a Chipotle commercial on, I'm picturing these old people are now fucking dead. You made me watch a fucking life. Fuck you for making me think about my mortality and I'm trying to watch a football game, yeah. right? And there's something to it. When I was stoned, it was funny as fuck, but not, as I'm like, oh man, I can't bring that I still think there's the- something to Here's the one thing that I did is I was opening with that big bit on legal weed. I often did that in the first five minutes. Yeah. And... um Near the end of my set, I did a couple jokes that were a bit newer and a bit more like just deep thoughts or weird, like very my personality, very kind of my own specific type of being neurotic. Yeah. And they didn't always get a huge response. They always got laughs, but they were like kind of awkward. And there was only like one or two. Yeah. And then I would, at the end of that, be like, see, that's one of them legal weed thoughts right there. Yeah, exactly. And then people would be like, oh, okay, because <laughs> yeah. they're so weird. <laughs> You know who has, who has a great technique for that? Um, Dion Cole. You ever work with Dion Cole? I haven't worked with him, but I've watched him at the Laugh Factory several times, and he's, he's great. amazing. He's great. He would do this thing. Um, he goes, yeah, you know, people do these, sometimes they do these jokes, bomb. They'd be like, oh, man, it should be crazy out there. He goes, I hate doing urban rooms because, oh, man, it should be crazy out there. And he just drop it in the beginning, and yeah. then he would do like 10 minutes into his <laughs> set, he'd say a joke doesn't work. He'd be like, yeah, it should be crazy. <laughs> and it fucking kills every time. It's like give yourself a, a, an out. Every time you bomb, you have a perfect out. You set that up. And I would only drop that after, cause, because the way that my jokes are is a little bit like, I I take it to the weird part where it's like, oh, this is definitely me. But if that if you go there and people don't laugh, then you say that's a legal <laughs> weed thought. The thought in my act is so weird that it is like people are like, oh yeah, this man is on drugs. <laughs> this is definitely not a normal person thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had this other joke that doesn't always do that well, but it was kind of like, <laughs> I'm so excited. You know what's so funny? Yeah. It's like, I I was really even like, I was thinking like, maybe I just won't even get back into stand-up for a little bit. I think a lot of people were thinking that. I was like, man, this shit, it's kind of got me down and it's like, I don't know where it leads or... But now you get that hit. I don't know how I would even get back into it, or I don't even know if I'm good anymore, or if I like telling jokes. Yeah. And I mean, even after that first night, I was like, holy oh. shit. Oh. That is the best feeling in the world. Yeah. And then to get paid, I was like, oh, yeah. the dream, the dream. I can see it again. It's so far away, but I can see the little glimmer of light. Yeah. And I can, and I'm starting to like think about my jokes again and like think yeah. about, oh, this got a laugh. Oh, what if I did Where this? Here? Yeah, exactly. Oh, I could say it's anything. <laughs> it's so, by the way, it's so much better. If you talk to people who really have an acting career yeah. and really have a stand up career, and I have semi have both, but I don't really, the people who really, like a Judah Friedlander type of guy. Sure. Who's on 30 Rock and then he's headlining around the world. 
You ask him what he'd give up, he'd give up acting. I think everyone would give up acting because yeah. the truth is acting is v- the only reward you get from acting is people recognizing you or the money or the quote unquote sort of fame that TV gives you. But the process of acting, unless you're a freak like me who wants to like dig into m- my fucking soul and vomit yeah. it out in front of a screen, the process of just general acting where you're just a person in a sitcom, mm-hmm. it's garbage. It's yeah. it, it, it's not remotely satisfying to anybody. The other thing is it's like the connection you have as a stand-up comedian to your audience yeah. is so much cooler than an actor's connection. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's so much more personal. Like Craig brought out a whole bunch of different types of people and I could just see the impact that he had had on them when they came up to like the merch table or something to like want to get a picture of him or like this one dude had a story and he, he just wanted to tell him the story so bad. Yeah. I could tell that they were like so excited (sighs) to see him Yeah, in a way that like you might be excited to see an actor for this and that, but like the bits that he's telling in the stories and especially because like, he is seven years sober and he talks about it. And I think a lot of people that came up and they were like, Hey, I'm, I've been sober for this long. And like, yeah. He's a guru to them. He's a guru to them. And, uh, he's kind of inspired a lot of these folks. And of, of course, some of I think com- comedy and music, like music and comedy. Have yeah. the same thing. Not, not acting. Totally really. music for yeah. sure. Acting just is a different, it's a different, the chuckle fucker is very different than the acting groupie. You know what I mean? The people who want to fuck Leonardo DiCaprio are very different than the people who want to fuck Craig Conan or whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's a very different type of person that's in that realm. Like Hmm. some people just want the fame and some people want, like they feel like that connection is, they want to fuck the connection. They want to make love to the fucking connection they feel with the person. Yeah. It's funny the people who date comedians... I notice a lot of girls who date comedians want to be funny. <laughs> like, real bad. Like, I swear to God, I noticed it about almost every girl who's dating a comedian. They're always trying to chip in. They're always trying to chip in. Oh. They're always trying to do jokes. They're always trying to, like, <laughs> they're always, like, they're trying to, like, give you a funny thing to tweet or a thought, you know? Because, like, uh, it's really yeah. exciting for them. And uh, maybe they. And they're usually kind of funny. Not always. It depends who they are. I think if a lot of them, I mean, like, if you get a good situation, you got someone like Jim Gaffigan's wife, she writes half his jokes, you know? Does she really? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Jim oh. Gaffigan's wife writes, like, probably the majority of uh, wow. his later material. Interesting. I mean, he's still the magic man. Yeah, of course. He's still the fucking performer, the, mm-hmm. the man who puts it all together, but they are... 100 percent a team oh that's amazing yeah yeah i don't think i've ever had any girl i've ever to hang out with or date write a joke for me people because usually it's like this <laughs> they go oh you should do a bit about whole foods okay what bit you know how it's the, the it's weird and the lines and the they're always the charity okay what what's the joke that you got and they're <laughs> just like you dad. know just something about it that's like, my dad because <laughs> he loves jim gaffigan and like seinfeld and like observational yeah 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 like literally like in line at burger king <laughs> i looked at the menu and, you, and the people are all like this and you're all yeah. in the line like this and you yeah. get food and they're like this you know i think one thing i have to do i have to change i think i'm going to change in my comedy is 
I'm going to stop trying to provoke people. I don't, yeah. It's, it's not, it's not like I'm saying it's not working. It's fine. But I just feel like you said, after shows, people are scared of me sometimes. You know what I mean? They're not mm. like wanting to come and connect with, even if they liked it, they're like, something like, they're like, I like that show, but mm, I don't know. You know, like right. you're funny, but like, woo. And I'm like, maybe I should be more just, just soften up a little bit. Feel more, invite people in more. I think that's kind of how I felt is I like, I kind of want everyone to be my friend. Yeah. But also that's, I feel like that's what being funny always meant to me. Yeah. Like in school and growing up, being funny was like, I, it was my way to get into the friend group. Yeah. And that is in my stand up. It's the same. Yeah. It's like, I want to tell these jokes and I want everyone to <laughs> like me. And, and the, I do have like political inclinations. Yeah. That I, like I have my billionaire joke and even the two girls, one cup joke. Yeah. It's like the messaging at the end of that joke is, um, I have the little line in there of basically like people shouldn't discriminate against gay people. You know, that's kind of how I feel when the joke is over. I feel like everyone's on the same page that, oh, yeah, the world is so weird. Maybe we should just kind of let people do their thing. But I try and use the silliness as a superpower to uh, let me say that without saying it. Yeah. And then I I don't like jokes that are preachy. Like, I think my billionaires or criminals is more preachy. And that's Mm. why it doesn't always work with people who don't agree with me. Yeah. But it's also silly. And when, I don't know, that one, I I never fully worked that one out, but I have weirdly a couple friends who are like, do that, do that joke. I think about it. it. And I'm like, I stopped doing it. Sometimes, 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 but sometimes a change of a word or a pause will completely open up a joke. You're like, holy shit, this one word. Like, I I did a stupid joke about, um, uh, I go, Oh, I did 23Me. I go, I was, what is this, a, a Mormon? Uh, or someone bought me 23Me for Christmas. Like, was that a Mormon dating site? I don't know why they got laugh. It's so stupid. But I would say, I would say, <laughs> I hope I was, I, I, I thought it'd be something cool. Like, uh, like maybe I'd be like part Russian or Viking, maybe black, who knows? I go, and now uh, I got the envelope. It was basically just a, a pasty ginger person. It was like a pasty ginger dude blowing a guy in an alley for Guinness or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, But I said, um, Wait, what was the fucking point of it? I said, uh, oh, I said something like, I don't have a family tree. It was, um, it was run over by a drunk driver or whatever like that. Yeah. Never worked. It was always just kind of, it was kind of there. It was just kind of like a little tag joke. I was like, I didn't really think about it. It wasn't really, but then I said, uh, don't have, it was plowed over by a, it was plowed over by a drunk driver. Killed. Bizarre. Plowed. Run over. That, that was the difference in the joke. But I don't know if I'm going to do it because I feel like I've heard similar jokes to that. So I might That's lose That's fascinating. It. Anyway. Um, I, I was trying to do this thing. This would kind of get laughs. It's my friend. You know what's funny? Brendan Kilcook who's going to come by. We're, we're, we're wrapping up, Brendan. We got a few more minutes. I started in the first day. I, for some reason, thought that people in Arizona would have something against people in Nevada. Like yeah. I thought that would be funny. You thought Arizona Nevada had a had a had a rivalry. And so I would be like, I'm gonna unite the crowd real quick. Fuck Nevada, am I right? 
And and everyone was like, was like "What? We don't fucking what the care. fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> That's hilarious. But then I I brought it back and I was like, "I'm from North Carolina and we hate South Carolina because they like make barbecue rung some shit." And I explained that to them and how I thought that every state had a rivalry. Yeah. And then uh, I learned about that on the first night, and then the second night I kept putting myself in that same trap because now I knew when I was getting out of it what to say on the flip side of it. And then I was like, "You guys are like, hey, be nice in Nevada. That's where we go to drink and drive." Like I started like learning little things about the state. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> but it was just fun to like keep going down the same hole <laughs> that I knew would not work because I knew I had these Nevada jokes on the flip side and I have a like a joke about Las Vegas. So then I would be like, it would feel so yeah, authentic yeah. on the other side of it. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, listen, Tommy, um, we, uh, we gotta, we gotta get back to the, uh, the second part of your joke, the relationship stuff we always gotta talk about, but, uh, but that's it, man. Yeah. Another um, congratulations time, on your first weekend on the road. It's amazing. First of many, maybe uh, someday I'll be featuring for you, buddy. <laughs> if I get some headline gigs, I'd like to bring you. That would be fun. Vegas Laugh Factory would be great. All right, man. All right. Thanks. Take Bye. it easy.